As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Red Hot Chili Writers Podcast. We're your hosts, Vasim Khan and Abir Mukherjee, two crime authors ready to expose themselves on air for your titillation, edification and amusement. We'll be talking life, pop culture and the pursuit of the creative arts, all seasoned with just a dash of garam masala. Happy New Year, everyone. The beginning of a new year is a time for the three R's, renewal, rebirth and recovery from the massive hangover that most revelers will no doubt be experiencing. The new year is also a time for another R, the dreaded New Year's resolutions. Dear listeners, whatever it is that you decide is going to be your highly unrealistic goal for 2023, be it running back to back marathons, rescuing orangutans in Borneo or simply eating less cake. Rest assured that Abir and I have set our sights far, far lower. Our main and only resolution is simply to continue to bring you this podcast, whether you want it or not. Abir, Happy New Year to you, my friend. And a happy, a very happy New Year to you, my good friend. I was going to say, um, the three R's, when, when you say the three R's, um, you know who I think of? I think of you, Imran Mahmood and Aisha Malik. Those are my three arses. <laughs> we set our sights low, don't we? That's that's what we're going to do for 2023. Tell me about how you've been. How, how was 2022? How was the fag end of 2022 for you? How did it end for you? Tell me. Um, I, I sort of ended with a whimper. Um, my missus buggered off to India to spend a few weeks with her, her mother and, and uh, have, other rel- relatives. Is she coming back? Although I have to say, um, as, you, as you know, because I keep sending you my the daily pictures of my of the latest meals that I've cooked um I do believe I've picked up some skills well I will say you've picked up some Instagram skills definitely I can't I can't sort of comment on the quality of the food but the pictures are good um I only have one request that in future uh, when you take the pictures please put some clothes on next time have you never heard of the naked chef I have, I have, but you know, I don't want to see his spotted dick either. Tell, tell our listeners what you have been cooking. So my wife stocked up the fridge and the pantry, and I have been working my way through everything that's in there. So I made a, a, a I made it a point of not going out to shop for anything oh, else. Yeah. Been living on the meager larder that was at my disposal. Mackerel with chickpeas. Uh, I hate mackerel and I hate chickpeas. Next, uh, chickpea with spinach. Yeah. Next. Chickpea chicken curry. Let me stop you. Is there anything you've made without chickpeas? Has your wife just left you chickpeas? Yeah, she did buy a lot of chickpeas. <laughs> <laughs> I hate chickpeas. Why don't you come round here? I'll give you something else. Toast. At least it wouldn't be like chickpeas on toast. Mate, come round. Actually, our listeners, our listeners, I think I think for 2023, we should start some sort of scheme that until Vasim's wife comes back, we should start some sort of scheme where each night he goes to stay with one of our dear listeners 
um, who could just look after him, a bit like the Blitz, you know, when we passed children around, took them out of East London and sent them to the countryside. Maybe we could do that with Vasim. We could take him out of East London. Each night we could send him somewhere, fatten him up a bit, because he's looking a bit skinny. He's skin and bones these days. Well, do you know the reason for that? Right. So I, I had a cunning plan about New Year's resolutions this year, right? Do you want to hear my cunning plan? Go on, then tell us your cunning plan. Okay. So instead of waiting for the new year uh, and taking up the resolution of, say, you know, getting fitter and losing some weight and all that, uh, which always fails, as we know, as you, as you, as you know, with your, uh, I like to call it the, 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 was it the fit box fiasco, the fit, fit box. Cube. And the fit cube is still here. It's right. It's in this room. It's, it's, it's under a number of boxes. Well, it's still it's there, here. still there in its original packaging. Yes, we know. <laughs> and you've moved up two trouser sizes, so I'm not really sure it really worked. <laughs> this was my cutting plan. I decided to start my New Year's resolution three weeks early. So I've actually I've actually lost three kilos over the last three weeks. What do you think of that? Well, you say you say you started your resolution three weeks early. Three weeks ago, it's coincidental that that's when your wife left. <laughs> Just a pure coincidence. It's pure coincidence. <laughs> you literally have been living off chickpeas and starving yourself. Let's right be- now, tell tell me right now, tell me what's been going on in your house because you've got you've had your. Your mother over, who's apparently living uh, living her best life, a bit far better life than uh, we're living. You've yeah. got your mother-in-law over for the next eight years. I mean, what's going on over so, Christmas? So on Christmas Day, I'll tell you who was here on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, we had the four of us. We had my mother-in-law. We had my sister. We had my mother. We had one of my, my wife's cousins from South Africa. Um, and so we had, we had a full house on Christmas Day. We had a lot of people staying around. Um, and we had the, a most wonderful Christmas. We had um, we had chicken, but we had about we had ha- we had, uh, we had gammon, we had chicken, we had um, pigs in blankets. We had the whole works, even even bread sauce. You know how much I hate bread sauce, right? But we had that as well. But it was a whole load of work. The night before, though, my wife made the traditional Christmas Eve biryani, which was absolutely fantastic. And then on Boxing Day, we went to her cousins down the road and they made a wonderful mutton curry. Uh, I, they must have been making it for like 24 yeah. hours. It was just exquisite. So we've we've come to the conclusion, I say we, my wife's come to the conclusion that making sort of white people's food for Christmas Day is a bit of a faff. And in future, we're just going to have one big pot of curry, um, which in the mm. end, is what we prefer. Maybe we'll chuck in some pigs in blankets and stuff like that on the site. <laughs> do you know? Do you, do you know what I had for Christmas lunch? What did you have for Christmas lunch? Let me guess. Was it Chick- chickpeas? Was it chickpeas? Chickpeas in blankets. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm feeling really sorry for you. Um, so let's talk about New Year. So what are the plans? Because we are recording this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're recording this on the 30th of December. So it's not quite Christmas Eve, eh, New Year's Eve yet or Hogmanay, as we like to call it, north of the border. But what are your plans, Mr Khan, for uh, New Year? Well, with my wife being away, it's uh, I basically will open the door at about midnight because I'm a late sleeper. Um, I'll have a look out to see if there's any fireworks going on that I can watch for free. I'll wave at a couple of my neighbours who always come out at uh, midnight on, uh, on New Year's Eve. Uh, mm-hmm. And that will be the extent of my New Year's celebrations. Well, I mean, I, I can't really grumble at that because mine will be pretty similar. I mean, we'll have, we've got my mother-in-law, uh, we've got Auntie Rachel for next from next door coming round, uh, but it's going to be one where we sort of sit in front of the telly uh, and, and welcome in the new year. Um, I'll tell you who's really partying, though. My mother. My mother is going to a club. So Mukher mum is going to a club with some of her friends for new year. I mean... The woman is now, you know, pushing 80 and she's got a better social life than we have. 80 is the new 30. I wish, mate. So what are we, 15? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, some do say that you've got the mental age of a 15-year-old, but I always always leap to your defence when they say that. Well, not as if you can leap anywhere now with your sporting injuries. Um, Can I just ask a question, though? Because 2023 is a, talking about ages... 2023 is a red letter year in the calendar for you, isn't it? I shall be turning 50 in uh, in October. There you are, ladies and gentlemen. Vasim Khan is going to be turning 50. The big 5-0. Oh. 
Yes, getting more George Clooney-ish every day, as someone said. Who said that to you? Was that was that was that yourself who said that? Because I remember somebody saying it was more Wayne Rooney than George Clooney. Dis, dis, discretion prevents me from telling you who said that. <laughs> right now, as part of the new year, people often change jobs. Now, I came across a job advert the other day, which I thought might interest you and might interest some of our American listeners. Exactly. Right? Would you like to apply for this job? So, New York City okay. is currently advertising for a rat czar. Uh, and this is to tackle their uh, uh, rodent problem. They've got a rat problem and they've not really been able to get hold hold of it. And this is what it says. I mean, it pays $170,000 a year. So it's not to be um, sniffed at. And this is what, the, uh, what they're looking for. The ideal candidate is highly motivated and somewhat bloodthirsty. Hmm? Okay. Determined to look at all solutions from various angles, uh, data collection, technology, innovation, and wholesale slaughter. See, think of that. Suggesting that for me, I think that's you, isn't it? I mean, you know, the, the bloodthirsty angle, the, the, the harshness, um, the, the sheer... I, I eat chickpeas. You eat chickpeas. I'm practically, I, a, practically a Buddhist. I can see you as king of the rats. I really can. I can see you with a <laughs> rat crown and, and a ceremonial tail. Um, I can see you on a throne surrounded by rats, actually. It's, it's, that's quite interesting. But I actually... But I, uh, well, um, have you heard, oh, well, you're a Hindu, right? So you must have heard of this. Have you heard of the I'm Temple more, of Rats? Yeah, I'm more of a Hindu, though. Uh, I don't actually practice. Um, <laughs> so you've never, you've never been to the Temple of Rats? No, I've not been to the Temple of Rats. I have been to the Temple of Kali in Calcutta, where at the age of 13, I got my head shaved with one of these open cut razors. Um, uh, and it was very sore. And I got my ear pierced with a red hot poker. Um, well, do you, well, I would very much like to do something to you with a red hot poker, but um, well, you know, that, head shaving, that's all good. That's all good. That was done to me with a red hot poker. Um, yeah, and I got my sacred thread, which is the symbol of a Brahmin, uh, which I'm supposed to wear for the, my, the rest of my life. Um, but mine went down the shower after two weeks. So uh, I'm not a very good priest. I can bless your lottery tickets. Uh, and technically, I could, if you wanted to get married, I could perform the ceremony. But why can't you just get another thread? I'll bring you thread. I've I, got plenty of thread. I, I will bring you. When my father passed away, I got another one, um, but it got quite tangled and a bit manky, so I got rid of it. Okay, listen, the next time I'm coming to your house, I am bringing my, uh, I'm bringing a special thread and I'm bringing my red hot poker. Where are you going to get? I understand you've got a red hot poker, I'm sure of that. We've seen it in the photos, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but the sacred thread you have to get from the temple, you can't just pick it up in the off-licence in East London. After all of those chickpeas, anything I touch is automatically sacred. <laughs> right, I want to I want to talk about some books, right? So now I came across a feature in uh, Cosmopolitan magazine, because I'm a wait, man wait, of the wait. world. Wait, wait, you read Cosmopolitan magazine? I am a man of the world. I am in touch. I am in touch with all sides. <laughs> now, they've got a list of books to look out for in 2023. Sadly, neither of our books are on there. But I'm going to go through a few and I want to I want a thumbs up or a thumbs down from you. OK. OK, okay so uh, January, uh, the biggest memoir of 2023, Prince Harry's uh, memoir called Spare. Oh gosh, you know what? I was um I was leaning more toward you know this whole Meghan and Harry debate whether you're for or against, right? And I was leaning towards them thinking they've been hard done by. But then I watched the first episode of the documentary series they've done on Netflix and my god, it was so bad. It was so self-righteous and so it just grated and uh yeah no so i'm gonna give spare a miss i'm gonna say um spare. Okay. fair enough fair enough i have i have no opinion on it i did not watch the series i, I sitting here in the uk i think the british press has been rather unfair uh, and i think it's, i think it's been i think it's been colored slightly because of who megan is but i think they haven't done themselves any favors with the way that they've acted as well so yeah, I would agree with what you said. I don't think anybody comes out of this particularly well. Um, no. Right. Next book. Okay, so this one might interest you. Uh, the Things We Do to Our Friends. 
perfect for fans of dark academia um, and fans of books such as The Secret History. This debut revolves around a toxic friendship at Edinburgh University. Mm. I would like that because I think, you know, if I, well, no, I would like it because it's Edinburgh. I like the idea. I love The Secret History. I would be worried that um, I'd read it and I'd realize that it's the relationship between you and me. And I'd realize just how horrible <laughs> you are to me. Uh, oh, I don't know about this one. So this one is called Transitional. Ooh. And this is an empowering new book which explores the fluidity of identity and relationships. I'll need a bit more than that. I can't, I don't, I can't, I can't decide on what that means. Tell me a bit more about it. Oh, but that's, that's pretty much all there is to say. Uh, the fluidity of identity and relationships. So is that like what sexuality, or are we talking about what 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 I, relationship? I'm, I'm guessing so. I'm guessing so. Yeah, bit of that. Bit I, of. I would I would try and read that, just because I feel I, I'm woefully uh, uh, uneducated about the whole topic. I think we all agree that you are woefully uneducated. But I would like to try. But my fear is that I'll start reading it and I'll just get bored last one so this one is so this is following in the vein of the last few years of greek myths being retold um and finding finding huge audiences around the world so this one is uh about clytemnestra and it's said in the world of ancient greece told through the eyes of one of the most infamous characters of greek mythology the fierce queen who fought back at those who wronged her. So uh, just to give you some more info, so uh, Clytemnestra is uh, the wife of Agamemnon, uh, the, the commander of the Greek forces who you know, fought in the, Trojan, in the Trojan War. Um, she also happens to be the sister of Helen of Troy, which I did not know. The face um, launched a thousand ships. Yeah, and people often say of you that you are the face that sank a thousand ships. Very um, true. But, Very true. And after but, your chickpeas, you are the bottom that launched a th Never mind. Um, <laughs> not We're not that kind of show. Um, We're not that kind of show. So does this, do, are you a fan? I mean, I've yeah, read a couple of these. Are you a fan of these? I, I like Greek mythology, so I would definitely um, give that a shot. Um, the the problem I find yes. is I don't get to the end of everything these days. Oh, is that because your senility kicks in halfway through and you lose so, your way? Boredom and senility. There's very few books that I'll read all the way through these days. There's, I mean, there's some that I love. I mean, but I well, I'm stop. Fifty percent of the stuff that I start, I won't finish. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm exactly like you now, but I do it. I deliberately stop uh, after about thirty pages if a book is not hooking me in because I don't. Yeah. Life is life is too short, and yeah. there's no point wasting time. But then, but then there are other authors which you discover, and then you want to read all their stuff, and you want to read every word. So, for instance, um, James Lee Burke, who I may have mentioned, you know, I, I've I've started reading lots and lots of his stuff. So he's got, he writes books set in Louisiana, crime novels, um, with a, a detective called Dave Robichaud. They're absolutely mm -hmm. wonderful. I mean, they're practically literary in the way in his prose and they're lyrical. Uh, they're just wonderful. And I will read every line of that entire entire book. Yeah. And, and in the same vein, uh, an author that I discovered this year, a young author, Anna Bailey, who wrote Tall Bones. I think she's very talented. So you, you should watch out for her, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah. No, I'm I'm read tall, tall, is Anna, when's her next book out? Because I read Tall Bones, uh, what, more than a year ago. When is her yeah, next she, book out? I don't know. I did ask her and I've forgotten. Um, we should have her on when the book comes out. Um, mm. I have a question for you. What are you reading at the moment that's going to come out next year? Or what have you read recently that's going to come out next year that you would recommend? Oh, okay. I'll tell you right now because I started it last night and I got through a hundred pages and I thought it was wonderful. So it's with a it's a book by a friend of ours, Laura Shepherd Robinson. Mm -hmm. uh, um, it's her next historic it's a next historical novel. It's called uh, the the Square of Sevens, uh, and it's a big, luscious, meaty historical tome set in the 1700s. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Enjoying it. I haven't started it yet, but I too, uh, I've got it on my to to read pile, uh, but I haven't got to it yet. Um, I'll tell you what I'm reading right now. I'm reading two books at the moment. Um, one, again, by a friend of ours, which I'm really enjoying, which is called The Last Dance by uh, our friend Mark Billingham. 
Uh, and it's a new series. It's the beginning of a new series, a detective, detective series set in Blackpool. Uh, and this book is all about murder in the ballrooms of Blackpool. And it's it's really good. It's, it's you know, when you read it, you can't help chuckling because Mark has such a sense of humour. Um, at the same time, I'm reading another book by one of my all-time heroes, um, Martin Cruz Smith. It's the latest Arkady Renko novel, and it's called Independence Square. Now, I will read every single uh, every single book that Martin Cruz Smith writes, I will read. Um, I don't think he's in the best of health right now, and so it's an absolute joy to get this book. And it's set last year, uh, 2021, uh, in Moscow. We see Arkady Renko, and it's the lead-up to the, the war in Ukraine. So it's very timely, very topical. Um, and it's just wonderful to spend time with Arkady Renko again. Uh, this is Gorky. This is a uh, Gorky Park. This is the, Mark, Martin. This is the protagonist from Gorky Park. It's it's the yep. series. Um, Renko's had his ups and downs over forty years, but he's. I, I don't think a series that I've read has charted um, the fluctuations of history of recent history in quite the same way. Um, you know, when we started the series. You're talking about the late 80s. Um, so Renko is is working under, you know, communism. He's, he's working for the communist state, the Soviet Union. And over the over the the next three decades, we see him, you know, riding the tides, not just of the the fall of the communist empire of the Soviet Union. We see him coming to grips with the new Russia, the Russia of the oligarchs, uh, of gangsters. Um, and, and it's fascinating, you know. If you want to, if you want to read a series which charts changes, seismic changes in real time, um, that's one for you. I would, I would really recommend. Brilliant. Okay, so let's move on. So, who are we going to chat to today? I think today we are talking to superstar Lisa Jewell, author of bestsellers such as Ralph's Party and the the Family Upstairs. Um, I think she's sold over 10 million books, which is more than you and me put together. That is, and she's also far more sensible than both of us. Uh, let's talk to Lisa. Today we are chatting to superstar Lisa Jewell, author of bestsellers such as Ralph's Party and The Family Upstairs. Lisa has sold over 10 million books. Can you believe that, Vast? 10 million. I can't even count that high. <laughs> I don't think many people are. Lisa, welcome to the Red Hot Chili Writers podcast. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. No, no, the pleasure is ours. It really is. And 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 thank you for joining us at such a cold, wet time of the year. You will be our first guest of 2023. What's uh, an honor. So, yeah. So we start as we mean to go on with only the best. Um, but let's let's start at the beginning. Tell us a wee bit about yourself, Lisa. Tell us about young Lisa, where you grew up. Tell us about your life. Oh my God. Okay. Right. Well. That. Ah, so born in London, North London, born and raised London. Um, mother, father, two sisters. Uh, went to Catholic girls' grammar school in Finchley. Wasn't very good at school. Um, got six O levels. Did a B Tech at my local college in Barnet in general art and design, and then went and did a higher B Tech um, at an art college in Epsom in fashion promotion and illustration. Um, and ended up working in the fashion industry for a short while. I worked for Warehouse, the high street retailers at their head office. I worked in the pattern room and then I worked in their marketing department. And then I married a man I met in the personal ads in the back of Loot. Oh, <laughs> classified newspaper. Um, I, was, he yes, just, was he just advertised as, you know, he, for marriage? Basically, uh -huh. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I we, Look, we met... We met on a date. I thought, no, this guy is not the guy for me. And I was considering making an escape through the bathroom window, um, but instead stayed and ended up marrying him um, and was, yes, in a very, very bad marriage for five years in my oh, early gosh. 20s. Um, but a good thing that came out of that, because I was not academic, I didn't go to university. I stopped reading entirely between the ages of 13 and 
21 when I met him was he got me back into reading and it was as a result of reading particularly because I was reading from his bookshelf so it was very sort of um, wide-ranging type of of um, selection of books I was reading from um, so it sort of sowed the seed of like maybe one day one day I might write so, my own. So, so what you're saying is that he was a complete git but at least he had books at least he had books absolutely <laughs> absolutely well, sounds he, like he was, <laughs> you know, I've, I've I've got a passing acquaintance with the loot because that's where I when I first passed my driving test many, many years ago, we couldn't afford to buy any new cars. So we we used to look up uh, crappy old bangers in 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 the loot. Um, and I guess that's that's what you ended up with. Yes, it, precisely. I got a crappy old banger out the back pages. <laughs> but back can in... I, that's, that's actually quite a fascinating story that. Um, so that was your return to reading and, yeah. and your path to writing absolutely what was the what was the first book you picked up on that shelf as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, yeah. of his books? Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't. Oh, my goodness. I would, let's say... Um, a Marge Piercy novel, the name of which escapes me. It was really, he didn't have any, it was all very sort of cultish, sort of Boise kind of right. literature. Um, there wasn't any of the sort of mainstream um, books that you would expect. Um, and not classics either. Modern, modern uh -huh. culty. Oh. Do you know what you yeah. should have done when you left him? Moved all the books around in the wrong order. <laughs> You're assuming that he was anally retentive about I his am. bookshelf. He, sound, he sounds it. He, he, sounds he it. actually wasn't. No, we lived in squalor. I don't think he even noticed. <laughs> <laughs> he died off in squalor and she sold 10 million books. Well, you and I are halfway there. We're on the right yeah. road. So what happened then? So we we have you moving away after five years. You've got your love of um, books back. Tell us about the journey from there. Well, yes, I mean, very much. Um, I felt there was a voice that I really wanted to hear in literature. Um, I guess I was never going to get it off his bookshelves. But no, I mean, I, I would go into bookshops again and just think there's something missing here. Maybe my voice could be relevant. Maybe I could write a book that would be, you know, zeitgeisty and and something that other people wanted to hear. Um, but it wasn't until, so I guess a year after I left him, um, that I was on holiday uh in uh, in malta with a load of so I, I now had a new boyfriend who i would go on to marry and spend the rest of my life with um i was on holiday with him and a load of his friends and i had brought high fidelity by nick hornby on this holiday because it was the book at the moment this was back in 95 i guess mm -hmm. um and everybody read it by the end of that holiday it was just you know yellow and pickled with pool water and spilt beer and what have you um and I just thought that's it that's the voice that's what I didn't think you were allowed to do when you were writing a novel I didn't know you were allowed to just chat to your reader in that way and be so immediate and accessible and um but it's a man's voice and that was the moment where I <clears throat> thought that's that's what I could do I could do the female version of this book and I was talking to one of these friends um in Malta and we were very very drunk and it was four in the morning and 
shortly before coming out on this holiday, I'd lost my job. I was working as a receptionist um, for a firm of shirt makers in um, um, German Street. And I just lost my job. And she said, what are you going to do when we get back to London? And I said, I'm going to sign up with a temping agency and get some more secretarial work. And she said, no, what do you really want to do? Come on, you know, this, this could be a turning point in your life. And I said, well, actually, I think I'd really like to write a book. Um, and thankfully, that person, um, Yasmin Boland, who's still one of my greatest friends, said, well, do it. Just do it. And she said, look, write three chapters. And if you do that, I'll take you out for dinner to your favourite restaurant. And so we shook hands for in the morning, drunken. Uh, luckily, we both remembered the conversation the next day. And I did go back from Malta and write three chapters. And that was Ralph's party. So, yeah, it was a which um, sequence of events. No, I think that's amazing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's the key. If you want to be happy, come up with life goals at four in the morning when you're drunk and look at the results. Seriously. Yeah. Well, that's a I'm, wonderful story. Uh, I, think, I think that book went on to be one of the biggest selling books of that of that year it was UK, the right? highest it came out in 1999 um and it was the highest selling debut of 1999 wow. yeah it, wow. it got to number three um in the uh in the sunday okay. times bestsellers which is and pretty amazing, amazing for a debut. that's amazing for a, for a debut absolutely yes. um and your friend yasmin is is she still good you still good friends i was with her just yesterday watching the world oh, cup final it's a lovely yeah. story that is such a lovely lovely story it is oh. a lovely story yeah. It was amazing. And wasn't it, it a, wasn't it a bloody good World Cup final? Oh, my God. I'm not a football fan. I will always watch, you know, the big matches, the big international matches. <laughs> yeah. People in my house want to watch it. But that, I've never seen anything like it. It was extraordinary. It was, it was, it was brilliant. Brilliant. And I won £120 because I was in a sweepstake Um we can't we can't really talk about the world cup because yeah it, okay fine fine oh sorry yeah old news by the time we but this comes out oh okay let's let's crack on then so um <laughs> now you wrote um you know you were talking about the the immediacy of voice um uh, with the with ralph's party and high fidelity i mean i can't remember if this was pre or after bridget jones's diary i'd never heard of bridget jones when i started writing ralph's party i think yeah. she was still a column at that point and she hadn't yeah. been published as a, as a book as a novel yeah. um i think it was all around the same time though so mm -hmm. but i absolutely have um helen fielding and bridget jones to thank for the fact that the gates to the publishers were yeah. wide open for writers like me at that point they were yeah yeah brilliant brilliant but at some point, uh, it was a perfect time. And, you know, it was it was about the zeitgeist. It was a perfect time for me to have written that book. I didn't uh, know that at the time, and, and, um, but it was perfect. And, and you wrote uh, many more in that vein. But then you made the jump to crime fiction. So why? Why did you move from move? Genre? I shall not call it a jump. I shall call it a slow creep. It was a very, very slow process. Um, so, yes, yeah, so Rouse Party was a romantic comedy. My first five novels were romantic comedies. They all had slightly darker sub-themes going on uh, within them, but they did come in pastel-coloured covers and they were funny and full of exclamation marks and swear words and what have you. Um, and I just, I suppose, because I was, what, 31 when Rouse Party came out, I was on the wrong side of being the young person's voice. Um, and I just, yeah, I got older, I changed, I had kids, stuff happened, I wanted to go deeper into those darker themes that were already there in my pastel covered books. Um, and so with each one I just sort of pushed, pushed the boundaries a little bit and sort of stepped away from some things, so like walked away from you know, the romantic story, the, the romantic relationship being at the heart of a novel and left it on the periphery of the story and then abandoned the romantic relationship entirely. Um, I started hurting people and then eventually I killed them. And so it was just <laughs> this very gradual, incremental hope. It was almost like I was being furtive about it, like I was hoping nobody would notice <laughs> and that I could just get away with it. And, and so it was. I just kept waiting for someone to say, uh-uh, no, you're not allowed to do that. You can't do that. You are Lisa Jewell, you write romantic comedies, but nobody ever told me I couldn't do it. And my readers never told me they didn't like it. So um, just slowly over the course of, I guess it's been 20, well, no, probably about 15 novels since I started leaving the romantic comedies behind. I've just got darker and darker until here and, we are. And, and do you feel that you took the readers who were there reading your romantic comedies, you took them along with you? And then of course you, you gathered more readers in the crime sphere. 
I took some of them. I still do get messages in my PMs from people who said, oh, God, I read Ralph's Party when I was 15 or, I, you know, I read all your books when I was young um, and I haven't read any of your later books. And I just read The Family Upstairs and it's amazing. And, you know, so I think I left a lot of people behind, particularly my really young readers. Um, the, the teenagers who should not, frankly, have been reading those books at such mm. a young and tender age. But then um, they spent the next <laughs> 10 years partying and now they're back, yeah, it, right? Precisely, precisely. Uh, partying, <laughs> having kids and like, oh, I've got time to read a book now. What should I? Oh, at least. Yes. Um, so, so, yeah. That is good. That's good work. I do. Yes, I know. I, I formed I formed some young people. That's uh, <laughs> Now, you've been quoted as saying that you carry chewing gum with you at all times. Otherwise... You would chew your cheek and look weird. Um, yes. You're not looking too weird now. All right, you're right next to Vasim on my monitor, so obviously you don't look. <laughs> but what's that about? Tell us about this weird habit of having oh, chewing gum. I've always been, as a child, I was a, a fingernail biter. I used to bite my nails to the quick, and then I stopped doing that. And then I used to pull my toenails off. And then I stopped doing that. And then I got to like picking the skin around my fingernails until they were bleeding. And I stopped doing that. And then I then I transferred all of that energy. There is a weird name for it. And I can't remember what it is to chewing the insides of my cheeks, which I do to the point of, I mean, it's, it's, it's lunacy. It's sheer lunacy. So it's not uh, a creative thing. It's more of a nervous energy thing, is it? No, if it's it must be not. I don't see myself as a nervous person. I see myself as very calm, very zen, very right. chilled, very grounded. Um, but this happens. So I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm grounded, because any uh -huh. sort of negative and frenetic energy that might be sort of loitering just gets... Plenty of famous gum chewers. Um, Viv Richards, the famous uh, cricket player, he used, to, he, were, he used to chew gum very aggressively when he came out to bat, scared the bowlers. Um, Gandhi. Gandhi was a famous... Oh. Oh, gum chewing. Okay. My I, dad. I, I, well, I just, I just made that up. I just yeah. made that up. <laughs> my, my dad chewed gum after, after he quit cigarettes, um, because yeah, my mom wouldn't let him smoke anymore, and he chewed gum for a, for a yes. long, long time. Um, yeah. yeah. So a lot. Of it's not do. nice. I don't like walking around chewing gum like a. Sort of, do you look yeah. tough? Do you look really tough? Hoodlum. No, I would probably look ridiculous, but at least I'm not. <laughs> At least you're not chewing your cheek. At least, at least you don't. At least you're not in school and sticking it under the, the under the desk. That used to well wind, wind yes. me up. Um, okay, so you touched on uh, the family upstairs, which has been one of your biggest, uh, biggest selling selling books, and I, you've just written a sequel. Tell us about the two the two books. Oh, okay. So the family upstairs. Um, well, it was actually inspired by a woman I'd seen on holiday. Um, it's a long story, I won't go into the details of it, but as, as writers, you must have these moments where for some reason, something relatively banal sticks in your head and you feel like you can make a story out of it. And there was something about this woman's presentation and her, her vibe that made me feel like she had a backstory. And I had this vision of this woman as a child uh, running barefoot through the streets of Chelsea in a nightdress in the middle of, in the, middle of the night. And, in my head, I thought she's running away from a house. And then I thought something's happened in that house. What has happened in this house in Chelsea? And why is this child running away from it? And why is the grown up version of this child uh, looking a bit bedraggled on a beach in the south of France as she was when I saw her? Um, and that was it. So that moment led to this whole entire world that um, I created inside this fictional house on Cheney Walk. Um, it's a sort of cult thing so basically there's this very wealthy very bored indolent family um and this um therapist moves in he's supposed to help the guy's had a stroke and he's supposed to be helping him as a physiotherapist and he takes over their house and turns it into a cult and invites other people in and awful horrible things happen to the children um and the other side of that story is that um this house lies abandoned for 20 years until um, a young woman called Libby, who'd been found as a baby in that house um, and then taken away and adopted, uh, in, uh, it finds out she's inherited it at the age of 25. And thus she goes about the process of finding out what on earth happened in that house um, and why she was abandoned in it. Um, so that's the first book. And the second book is really just following up all the characters from the first book. Um, I haven't mentioned Henry. I think Henry is the, the key 
to both the books. Henry is the little boy who grew up in the house, the rich kid um, whose house is infiltrated by these evil people. And he's a very interesting, complex, uh, slightly unreliable narrator. Um, and he's ten, he's 10 years old at the beginning of The Family Upstairs. By the end of The Family Upstairs, he's 41. Uh, so we meet Henry in the, in the sequel and he's 41 and he's trying to find the boy that was also trapped in the house with them. Anyway, it's very complicated. <laughs> there's a lot going on. I don't think there's a very concise way well, of explaining both books. But... You say that, but I mean, I've read The Family Upstairs and the new one is called The Family Remains. And it is incredibly creepy and it's incredibly well written. And there are multiple narratives, and you've hinted at the fact that there are unreliable narrators at, at work here. Um, but you somehow seamlessly put all of that together so that we get this, this rather claustrophobic sense of events um, just closing in on in on us. Um, and, the, and the character of the therapist, the therapist chappie, I mean, he's, he's a complete slimeball. Um, yes i hope that's not giving anything away but it's just, no not at all and he <laughs> i feel like he was a missed opportunity and if i was ever to write a third one which i probably won't but if i was ever to write a third one i'd love to get into his head because we never get inside his head to find out what drove him so why won't you write this third one? Why, why don't why don't you think you will write this sounds fascinating yeah. what the third one yeah well, I might. I think you I should might. do it. I think you should do it now while you're on the podcast. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I don't think we're going to let you off. You're not allowed to go off the podcast until you write. You got a pen. <laughs> you got a pen handy. Oh God. Oh, I might. I might. But it was. Okay. It certainly wouldn't be for a couple of years. Anyway. Now, now we've spoken about this before, but you famously said on stage that you don't plot, which yeah. is of course incredible because you know I've I've, I've read uh, some of your books and they, they seem incredibly well plotted, but. Tell us why it is that you don't plot. What I do is um, um, somebody at a, another book event um, in the audience in the Q&A um, during the plots of versus pantser conversation, the, which always turns up in, in the Q&A after a book event, um, said she doesn't believe in plotters and pantsers. She believes that some writers <coughs> plot off the page and some writers plot on the page. And I'm a writer who plots directly onto the page from my head uh, onto the page um, and it's yeah I'm not the only writer who writes that way it is quite it is quite common yeah but, um, yeah, but what what if you're like Abir and there's nothing inside your head <laughs> I can't well, believe you there's nothing, why no, did you laugh at that no. did you just laugh at that no, well, no, because oh, it's just the the rudeness of your friend is what I'm laughing at it wasn't rude. Um, <laughs> it was... uh, quite often there is nothing in my head and I just have to sit there and sort of rattle my head around until I hear something echoing sort of feebly in the background. I think, okay, there's something there. Let's just dig it out and get it on the bloody page and move on, move on. This is how I write. Just, I just want to move on. I don't want to stop and wait and think. And I don't want to have to go and research something or sort of go back and rewrite something before I can carry on. Just want to keep going and keep going. It's keep all going. about so momentum. I quite often just, yes, but it is exactly, it's all about momentum. So the quicker I can get the next detail on the page the next plot move the next whatever it is something happening the quicker i can move on yeah. that's, um, that's the opposite of vaseem who's actually quite you know constipated when it comes to these sorts of things <laughs> aren't you i am yeah i do like to i do like a good plot and i, I do like, do you like to, to cogitate for a while do you like to walk I away do. from ruminate yes. cogitate <laughs> any sit on the up. toilet plan it all out. <laughs> on the toilet yeah um, come back well, in the room i do have i do have a certain number of books in my uh, bathroom. toilet bathroom. Ah, okay <laughs> um, for inspiration okay, so, all right so let's talk about um something outside of writing because i don't think i've ever heard you talk about the things that you do outside of of writing now well, i know we, that we know she subscribes to loot magazine i mean we know <laughs> yeah, that. it doesn't even oh, exist yeah. anymore does uh, it? no it doesn't um, is it online now it must does it not exist i don't know um, i can't imagine it's... it exists anymore Right, keep yeah. talking. Gumtree, I'm going to Google Gumtree it. came along. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to Google it, see if it still exists. Keep going. <laughs> and we also know that um, you're a bit Asian in that you like to go off. Occasionally. Oh, no, it exists. It's still around. Loot.com. Oh, okay. There you go. Does see if there's husband... any nice husbands in there. I'm yeah, just checking. Just... I'm going to search for a husband. Hold on. No, yeah. let's <laughs> search, search for her ex-husband. <laughs> we could we could we could play Lisa Jules ex-husband. Yeah, um, I've typed send him a message. Say Lisa, Lisa, say Lisa's back on the market. Oh, I am not. The first thing that comes up is um when you type in husband is uh, a plain black dress 
a luxury cat hamper comes up. I don't know why. And a Marvel <laughs> Spider-Man car. Uh, if any of those are appealing for you as your third husband, Lisa, um, you know, that is very, very strange. Very random. Man. Very random. What a cat hamper? What's a cat hamper? I mean, is there a cat Why inside it, the hamper? That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound I'll good. I'll tell you all that. I'm clicking on it. I'll tell you all items brand new. It's got a cat litter tray, a litter scoop, a large scratch mat, okay. uh, a Kong it activity is. play toy. It, the list goes on. This is good value, I tell you. Wait, it's is, so it's is a gift hamper for a cat. It's a I luxury think. cat gift hamper. Is have, what you it is. have you clicked on the pet husband section? I just clicked, I clicked husband and that's all that's come up. <laughs> uh, anyway, Lisa, Lisa was about to tell us what she does when she's not looking at loot ads. All right. Oh, this. Yes. I mean, it's I can't read. I, I don't do anything. I'm terrible. In fact, I'm having one of those moments, those end of year moments where I'm just thinking I'm going to change everything in 2023. I might do New Year's resolutions because I'm just going downhill. Ooh. Um, particularly since my children got older. So when I had young children, I was always running around after children, taking children to things, tidying up after children, cooking for children. Um, so I never had any time to myself. Um, and now they don't need me to look after them anymore. Instead of filling up those periods of, of calm and, and free time with interesting hobbies, I fill them up with um, staring at my smartphone and binge watching things on Netflix. And that's all I do. I sit on the sofa with my phone. Um, watching tv and and scrolling through facebook that's it i don't do anything else i have a dog thankfully so i do have to leave the house to walk the dog um what if the no. dog, what if the dog is really into the show and doesn't want to go for his walk well then i'd probably, I'd probably be okay with you have that to talk to your husband at that point right yeah <laughs> god forbid you know, it's terrible and my husband is like he's he's you no know, he's doing this what, what do they call this the sniper's alley 50 to 60 this decade of your life where if you don't get your if you don't get healthy during 50 to 60 you could get taken out and never be old have you ever heard this no i haven't sniper's alley but no my husband is doing everything he started doing he started using the treadmill and eating vegetables all the time and just and being active and i'm just a sloth it's, it's quite disgusting i really do worry is he about um, is he is he is he fit shaming you Yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, he does it in this way of like, you know, he's trying to you know, kindly dear encourage dear. love. And so but, we, yeah. we just moved into a new house and the guy across the road runs a personal fitness training thing. And in my um, because I found the best way to make friends is to pay people. So I've paid him <laughs> for like 10 lessons and I can't sit down. I tell you, I must have torn my bum muscle. Um, it's <laughs> what's really he been doing? What's he been I doing do, to you? Squats, lots of squats and uh -huh. things like that. Stuff that somebody my age shouldn't do, especially if you're from Glasgow, right? And so I have to sit <laughs> oh, on a cushion now. Are um, you sitting on a cushion now? I'm, I'm sitting on two cushions right two now. Two cushions. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see me cushions? <laughs> yeah. There's one. Well, there they are. There they are. There's two. There you are. Oh, two big fat, fat cushions. I'm yeah. sitting yeah. on. I'm, I'm sitting on one too, but it's imprinted with your face, so I don't want to show it to you. Oh, <laughs> stop it. Stop. Right, Lisa, um, to, finish off, to finish off with, what are you working on next? Okay, so you, you catch me at a busy time. I've had a very productive year. Um, I started a novel in March 2022, and I finished it in September 2022. So my Whoa. husband can fit, fit shame me, but I can work shame. <laughs> um, I like that. And it is, it's called None of This Is True. And it's about a um, podcaster who inadvertently gets caught up in her own true life crime podcast. Um, and it's quite intense. It's very different to the family upstairs. It's got two characters, they're both women. They both live in the same corner of North London. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very different to anything I've done before. And it's getting very good feedback from the backroom people. Um, that's wonderful. That's, that's wonderful. wonderful. And then immediately after finishing that, I started a top secret novel. Uh, I was commissioned out of the blue by a publisher who I cannot name because I'll get into big trouble to write a novel for a brand that I cannot name or I'll get into big trouble. And you two being boys will be so excited when you find out. What it it's is. a footballer or a cricketer or a scientist or a... I think I know what this is. Are you on Her Majesty's Secret? Well, we'll not ask. We'll ask later. No, I can't <laughs> tell you. Um, but it's not. It's nothing I've ever done for. Completely out of genre. 
um, but I have been asked to write it because I think they would they would they they would appreciate my sort of um, empathetic way with character and what have you to bring this character to life on the page in a full-length novel which has never been done before and I can't say any more than that uh, so that's what I'm doing at the moment 30,000 words down um, I've got to deliver it in April um, April the 10th and yeah so it's been a busy busy time but exciting ladies and gents you heard it here first <laughs> Abby's face is all I can see is see is Abby's face going what is it what is it You're I, I think I'm, well I'll ask you when we're off here um, yeah okay well, I tell yeah. you if I'm right I want a luxury cat hamper as a prize yeah yeah you can have you can have 10 luxury cat yes. hampers. I'm going to send you a luxury rat hamper <laughs> you deserve Lisa it's been absolutely lovely chatting to you oh it's been absolutely lovely being chatted with Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been wonderful talking to you as usual and uh all the best for the new year we are looking forward to the new books and the new project yes me too Well, that brings us to the close of another episode. Once again, if you've liked the show, can we ask you to please leave a review, sign up for regular episodes using your favourite podcast app, and please do spread the word. Vass, do you think we should simply stop making resolutions since we can't seem to keep any of them anyway? Yes, let's make a resolution not to make any more resolutions. I think that's one we will keep. Uh, well, I'm not so sure. I feel like making a resolution already. Ladies and gentlemen, Happy New Year. And I resolve, or we resolve, that this will not be the last episode. Uh, and until the next time, we have been your friends, the Red Hot Chili Writers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.